Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel Hello, welcome to the Fighting Cock Podcast, Season Twelve, Episode Seven. Big John Bass in for Flav. Um, joined by Spooky. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, I'm all good. And we're also joined by yeah, Cal. Good. How are you, mate? Yeah, man. I've got a question for you. Is that all right? Yeah, mate. Go on. Um, we have a new prime minister. I would. I know that you're a Tory member, so I was just wondering <laughs> which one you voted for. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> Fuck's sake! No, there's only there's only one Tory member of the Fighting Cock and Associates, uh, and that is Mark. Uh, so he'll have to. Mark knows, but he'll have to. Um, he'll have to answer for for the Tories uh, as part of this podcast. Um, I was going to actually just say that I do I do feel a little bit like um, you know if you ever go to the West End when there's like a big American star over like Hugh Jackman's doing like something in the West End and then you book tickets for you and your missus and you're like right we'll go for dinner afterwards and you make it this big thing we're going to see Hugh Jackman and you get there and it's the understudy and it's Barry from EastEnders <laughs> that's that's how the listeners are currently feeling and um, with me stepping in for Flav so I'll do I'll do my very best to to hold it down um, boys three wins one draw. We've played Chelsea away, played West Ham away. It's not a bad start. Um, Spook, how are we yes, feeling? Mate. How are we feeling at this point in time, mate? I'm, I'm, I'm all right. You, you know what I'm like, man. I'm forever an optimist. Um, some would say deluded. But I like the way we've started because we haven't peaked too early. We've had some tough games. You know, there's that thing that's been done to death now. So it's probably the last time I mention it. But if you match up the, uh, the results to last season, we're up on every single one. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, we, we've improved. Obviously, people expect us to go to Chelsea and win. People expect us to go to West Ham and win. But we've done all right. We've done all right without, without excelling. You know, we've had moments where we've looked really, really good and you can kind of tell what we would look like at full pelt. But we've done enough so far to accumulate the points. And, and like, you know, I'm still, I'm still positive. I still think we can do something this season. Um, you can only beat what's... Stuck in front of you, do you know what I mean? And I think we can beat most teams in the Premier League. How's Absolutely. that for for positivity? 
That was good. I enjoyed it. Um, Cal, right. I'm going to give nice. I'm going to give you a chance to tell you. Uh, yeah, exactly. How you're feeling uh, at this current moment in time. And then we'll get into, we'll get right into Fulham. We'll talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, I think I think one thing to say, there's only two undefeated teams left in the Premier League and, and they're, they're Tottenham and Manchester City. Uh, you know, what a great thing to say. And obviously we're meeting them on Saturday. Um, but yeah, like Spook said, you know, Chelsea and West Ham, that's their two biggest games. They, they'll, they'll, in Chelsea mm. particularly, will try to play that down. But it is. It is their biggest game. And stylistically, Chelsea are a difficult matchup for us. So for us to come through that run of games, you know, and I think we've had a, you know, a few, we've had three and three, so three away games, three home games. Um, to come out of West Ham and Chelsea with, with two draws and then Saturday, the performance, I actually think the scoreline really flattered Fulham on, on Saturday. Yeah, we're massively. Game. I know we're going to get into the game in a minute. So I'm actually happy of where we're at. Going into the Champions League with this run, players, Conte starting to slowly bring players into the fold now. So yeah, I'm really pleased about where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, look, the reason that I, the reason that I asked you that is because I think it's fair to say after West Ham, there was there were a few dissenting voices. There were some concerns from the wider fan base. There were some justifications for some of that stuff. You know, are we playing great football? Are there similarities to what was happening in Mourinho? There was some kind of over-the-top stuff like... I hate that. I hate <laughs> yeah, the wishy. Mourinho comparison, man. It's, so it's, it's a bit... It's quite down lazy, and it? stupid. It's, yeah, it's lazy as fuck. Yeah. Oh, and that so, was it. I mean, I can, go, I can, I can do a 10-minute rant about, about the comparison, but I won't. I won't. I'll just uh, save, save everyone's it. ears from... Uh, destroyed yeah. save it well look let me um let me ask you this then um spook fulham game i think i think it's fair to say that's much more uh much more what we wanted to see it was a superb performance yeah. i thought um it was a swashbuckling game i think i said on um five statements on our patreon um i thought it was brilliant so yeah what um what do you think about the fulham game have we restored some of this flair and stylistic uh stuff that people wanted to see spook it it it's it's Tricky, right? Because we have to wait until we play another team that's slightly above Fulham's levels, you know, without disrespecting Fulham because they're a decent team. But they play quite open. Um, but it was Tottenham's energy from the from the first minute. And I think Romero and Bentoncourt coming back into the team um, kind of shows maybe the lack of depth that we really have got if you want to go towards discussing uh, like-for-like -like replacements for players. Both are, are really good on the ball, really comfortable on the ball, kind of progressive and, and tidy. And that just adds to the tempo. And Spurs were just, there was urgent play to, 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 to their movement. You know, we looked like we wanted to go out there and do something. And that, that cliche, in it? On another day, we're 4-0 up in that first half. Do you know what I mean? On another day, Son scores a, a brace or a hat-trick. Um, so the football was was perfect. I mean, it was entertaining, you're getting up behind the team, you're getting confident about the football, you're creating, you know, the moment Tottenham can't create is when you, you start after, you know, you have to worry about, about that. So, yeah, I was, I was well chuffed. Smashed them 2-1, basically, in the end. <laughs> we did smash them 2 It could have been 5, couldn't it, Cal? Oh, good. You know, 20, 23 shots we had, 10 on target, um, a couple of VARs, and yeah, we win 4-1, you know, VR goes away, or if if you know we just got rid of VAR altogether, then yeah, maybe we win four one. But um, yeah, no, I thought we were great. Um, I thought Ben Tancor had a brilliant game. I thought he was our man. Of the he's match. so good, man. He's silk. He he was. And one criticism I've had of Ben Tancor is that it takes him an hour to get going. 
a lot of the time. It takes him 60 minutes to kind of warm into the game. But on Saturday, for whatever reason, um, perhaps because he didn't play midweek and everybody else did, he just seemed that little bit ahead of everyone else. And you're right, Spook. He was like silk. He was just brilliant from the first whistle. For me, he was man of the match. I thought he was so good. And for now, him and Hoybier, who I've really warmed to, um, have become are our best partnership. But I have absolute belief that Bisuma and Skip are gonna be are gonna be really good for us as well. And actually, if you think about it, eighteen months ago, you know, we were talking about Mourinho era. When Mourinho was there, what what position would you have said we needed to strengthen the most? And you'd say midfield, wouldn't you? That central midfield yeah. area yeah, it yeah, would yeah, have yeah. been and now look at it. Look at the riches that we have in that position. Um yeah, I thought we were great. I thought we was really good. Cessignon had an okay game. Longley, I actually Longley. I thought he was pretty good. <laughs> I thought he had a really good another one like Silksburg. He was so good. On he's the ball he's another looking... footballer. Do you know what I mean? He's someone he who's just um, he's he's someone who I mean this is like the non analytical version of of of, of uh, me kind of reviewing his performance. But he looks comfortable on the on the ball, right? Um, someone I don't know who it was. Probably the extra inch, to be fair, polluting my timeline, saying that he's going to cost us a few goals, and I, I didn't quite see that. I didn't quite understand what they meant by that. If it wasn't there, my apologise, but or maybe I don't. Fuck it. It was some tactical nerd saying that he will cost us, and I don't know if it's a positioning thing. I don't know if he was lackadaisical at any point in the game. I didn't see it myself, um, but yeah, you kind of see why these players, uh, you know, they kind of fit a profile, a particular type of profile. Obviously, there's anomalies in, in, in the team. I mean, Emerson is still, you don't really know what he is from time to time. He, he gets into positions that should really be uh, producing quality deliveries, but we know he can't deliver the ball. Um, but he he also plays all right. I thought, when my uncle, who hates absolutely everything, says that he thought he played all right, I'm kind of like, fuck, what, what am I missing here? Maybe, maybe I should uh, be a little bit more open to Emerson and his kind of progress on that, that right side. But yeah, it was yeah, one of those they'll... games, man. It was one of those games where there was very few negatives. You, it wasn't the type of game to focus on anything negative, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. had a, a tweet from uh, Mike from Queens who said, uh, were you nervous at any point on Saturday? I was not, and it was a weird feeling. I think that's kind of how a lot of people felt, right? Is that there was basically a calmness around what we were doing. And that feeling of calm, I think, is weird for us because we're not used to it because we're used to thinking this is going to go wrong at some point and when you look at a 2-1 scoreline if you hadn't seen the game as a three o'clock uh, three o'clock kickoff a lot of people hadn't seen it you might have thought oh we've struggled again like to get a result here but actually the reality was that we were in complete control basically of this game um pretty much the entirety of the time and yeah i thought um you know long lay just composure i guess um spook maybe the point was when you have players who want to play the ball and want to pass and want to be a bit more creative it's much harder to be creative than it is to be destructive so if you're asking a yeah. defender to be more creative they're t- literally they're they're taking more chances essentially yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. You, you know you see these Great. players who you know uh like burnley players who you can never find a mistake that they've made that's cost them a t- them team like a goal because they just boot it clear every time hmm. so it's like it's actually fine to do that if that's the way you want to play but we want to be creative from the back so we require place to take risks so yeah that's fine that's what comes with the territory and i think to be honest what i what i thought was really interesting about this whole uh, whole fulham game is the players that did come in uh actually played really well and what this has illustrated for us is 
is that squad depth we spoke about. And people have been talking about dropping players versus rotating players and squad depth versus you know quality of the squad and all this stuff. And it's like, look, fundamentally, you can't anymore. You can't just have 11 quality players. You do need a squad of players. And whether that's rotation, dropping, whatever you want to call it, you need those players to come in and at a minimum, the quality can't drop. And so I think that's what we what we had from um, from Longley and, and Richarlison um, in particular. I thought um, I thought they were they were brilliant. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a good performance. Let's just talk about um, let's just talk about Richarlison because I thought uh, one he was pretty unlucky with his one that hit the post. Uh, that volley was in, incredible. Oh. And how would you have felt, uh, Cal, if that goal had accounted? Because I think that um, that eruption after the goal was amazing and and it's one of those things we've been robbed by var um yeah. but he was brilliant wasn't he oh he's so good and that that effort that hit the inside of the post and came out oh the the quality it just hit it on the volley just on the outside of his boot hits hits the post it was such a good effort and imagine that as a first goal for spurs at a club like spurs where we've celebrated flair players throughout our 140 year history happy birthday to tottenham today by the way um it's it would have been it would have been something special and um i'm quite vocal about how much i hate var and the main reason i hate var is because it robs it robs us of that joy of scoring a goal and i've noticed in myself that i do not celebrate goals as passionately as i used to um i it's uh yeah there's always just a concern that they're gonna that someone's going to be an armpit offside or they're going to find a foul or whatever. And it's just kind of spoiled it. And actually on Saturday, because we were two one up, because it was a little bit nervy to answer the, the, the chap's question about feeling nervy. I was a little bit nervy after, after Mitrovic's goal, which was a well-taken goal. Romero got done a bit, but it, after that, I was a little bit nervy. But so for, for Richarlison, I thought to put us three one up, I actually let go. I actually let myself celebrate because I thought, well, it's a cutback. He's definitely going to be on side. We're not going to have an issue there. And I was fucking yes, yes, you know, calling Fulham Kishi and cunts and all all of that. And <laughs> and then the fucking VAR came up, and I was just spitting feathers about how much I hate VAR because, yeah, it's just ruined it. And it would have been so good for him to get his first goal in a situation. I gave everything, man, to, to that celebration. Yeah. I was hugging the, the bloke next to me, slapping his back. Yep. It's like just, it was just a wonderful emotional release that you, you the way you want to celebrate every, every, every moment. And that was a moment for him. Do you know what I mean? He's such a dramatic footballer as well, just over the top. But... He's, he can back it up, you know, because you saw that te- that technique in the volley. Do you get what I'm saying? He's a, he's he's a Brazilian footballer, and and he's had a couple of shots this season where he hasn't pulled the trigger. He pulled the trigger on that, and he was unlucky. And then he follows it up. Obviously, VAR destroys the moment, um, and it's exhausting because you do, you do feel like <laughs> all that emotion has just been pushed into the ether and just lost forever. And he just stood there spent, like completely done. Like, you know, I don't know. Just been with a brass and it was over. So I don't know the analogy, man. I'm not bothered. I fuck it. I don't I'm not good at analogies anymore. I've been doing this for fifteen years. I've run out. Um but it, it yeah, it's but and the thing is three one would have been a better scoreline. Do you know what I'm saying? It would have been closer to a more convincing win win on paper, but Everyone was was at the game, Fulham including, knew they got away with it um, on the day. They really did get away with it. And to answer the question about nerves, I was momentarily nervous when when they scored. 
because we were rattled. I don't know if you noticed, for a couple of minutes after their, their, their goal, we just we kind of lost shape for a, for a moment. And then we got hold of the ball again. So it was a, it was a good test. The Spurs have crumbled in the past in those type of moments. So um, for sure, it's a good reaction to it. Definitely, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Cal knows very well about boxing uh, and boxers. Sometimes you take a you take a smash in the face and you are momentarily stunned, and you have to get your composure. You have to get your legs back before you you're basically out of the fight before it's begun, right? And that's kind of what we saw. It's like it's all right. You are gonna get you are going to concede goals sometimes in games. That's fine. It's going to happen. It's more about how you come back from that. And I think you're right, Spoo. Like, there was a momentary, oh, fuck. Like, this is mm. this is going to cost us. Um, but actually, I think what we've seen this year is that players can just kind of shake that off and they can get back to what's, what's happening. I think basically that comes down to the way that Conte works is like, just do the thing that I've told you to do. If you just keep doing that relentlessly and takes away their, like, kind of need for them to think over and above what they need to do. So when things don't go well, you just go back to that. You go back to those basics. When we're playing really well, you see things sprinkled on top of that. And that's what makes it um, what makes it exciting. And that's, it, when we, it, that's what I thought we saw in this game. Yeah, I was just going to add to that, that it's it's from our perspective, I guess it's it's a, it's a trust issue. Because like mm-hmm. we, we like to pretend Spurs is a thing, right? We like to pretend that... The things that happen to Tottenham doesn't happen to any other football club. That's not simply not true. And the, the big change with Spurs under Conte is that they are relentless. Like the mental attitude is consistent. We go go down, not a problem. We're going to get back into the game. And it's that it's it's a very instinctive and natural, very organic belief that they've got. Doesn't look like desperation. We've never really looked rattled throughout an entire game. As even though people think that you know. Forest were had us pushed back, but we were always comfortable in that game as well. Um, so we just have to get used to trusting Spurs that it isn't a disaster if we concede. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a good trait to have, uh, not to believe that you can lose a game of football, and to yeah. always be in a position to maybe win it. It's a it's a strong trait for sure, and I think that's definitely what uh, what Conte brings is that. Uh... Kind of the mental side of the game. And I think actually a lot of the reasons that we've suffered over the years has been kind of mental collapses as much as anything that have cost us on the pitch. And one of the one of those things that Conte also brings is is making big decisions. One of the big decisions he made before this game was uh, to include Richarlison from the start. I think most people thought it was going to be Sun, just given that Sun hasn't been on the best of form this season or the form that he, we know he can reach. Um, he actually came in for um, for Decky, which was interesting. Um, how did how do you feel that Sun played, Cal? Because I think I think people were expecting him to be okay. I'm not going to use the the D word. He was rotated. Uh, I think people were expecting him to be rotated for this game. He wasn't, and in, in fact, I think actually that worked really well. But what did you think of uh, when you first when you saw it and saw that Sun was still in and actually Kudelski was going to be left out? And how did you think it worked with those three? And, and how did Sun play? I actually thought Sun was much better and he was really unlucky not to score. And I think once he scores a goal, I think it's that age-old adage of he'll all he needs is a goal. And if he gets a goal, he'll be back again. And I think that's very true with Sun. I actually thought he was very good. And I actually wasn't wasn't too surprised that, that it was Kulusevsky that was took out because I actually thought on against West Ham, I thought he was particularly poor against West Ham. So was Sun. 
But Sun was not great against West Ham at all. But I thought Kulisevsky was not up to his usual level at all. I thought he had quite a poor game. So I wasn't I wasn't surprised that he was taken out. And you've also got to think about Champions League in midweek as well. And I think and I think in the Champions League, I think he might revert back to the trusted son, Kane Kulisevsky, and then maybe put Richarlison back in for the Man City game. But there's there's so many big games coming up that it's you know, people are going to come in and out and it's going to be rotation. Um, there's even talk about rotating Kane and Kane was took off, you know, as a sub, which never happens, he never gets subbed off, but he did. And uh, no, I thought, I thought Sun was fine. I thought he had a good game. He had a couple of chances. He was lively. Um, I thought he was much better, much better than maybe not up to his usual standards, but I thought he was much better than he has been of late. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, Spook, what did you, uh, what did you make of Sun's performance, mate? Yeah, I completely agree with Cal, to, to be fair. Um, you know, he scores. I mean, he scores on every, on every other occasion, right? It's just, it's one of those weird things that you have in football where it, you you had it with Kane where he was thinking, he was overthinking everything and he wasn't scoring. You know, every time Kane doesn't go three or four games without scoring, it's like, the fuck is wrong with him? It's It's a crisis. With Son, he does seem to have this personality where he, it does affect him more. Um, and he's definitely been overthinking it. And it's definitely impacted the way he's played his football, like his flow and, and, and just uh, his decision-making. But in this game, like Cal said, he was he was bang on it. Uh, what can you do, man? He got on the end of so many good chances and he was just unlucky, you know, whether it was a keeper or the woodwork. Um, so I'm not I'm not worried about him. He loves a goal against City, right? So yeah. if you do the maths, maybe we're in for a, a bit of a treat on the, on Saturday. Yeah, let's hope so. I think, um, I think one of the things that we've learned about, about Sun, I'm, I kind of obviously the last couple of weeks in Spurs podcast sphere, it's been the question: Well, oh, what do we do about Sun? Does he need to be dropped? Does he need to be rotated? All this stuff, right? The thing I think, like not many people have said anyway, is that the thing of we know he's streaky. It's like, well, if you know he's streaky, we've never seen him dropped to get out of that, ever. We've never gone, he's been streaky, so he's getting dropped. He just plays until he then is not streaky. So I think Conte is like, he's been pretty shrewd in just going, well, I'm not going to take him out because then he's gonna, it's going to take him longer. He just has to basically ride this out. And his back catalogue of goals and seasons for Spurs have never included a spell on the bench after he got in the side. So I don't, I, I don't really believe that that makes actually sense for him to be basically taken out for a Charleston. So I think that that was a really shrewd move from Conte to make the rotation in the squad Kulisevsky and just keep Sun ticking over because he was definitely much better. And also, look, I wonder if there's an element of you know Sun's personality where it has rattled him a little bit having someone mm. else there. Right? And you need to you need to consider that there's there's a an emotional aspect of the manager going, look, I'm not going to drop you. You're then playing badly for a couple of games and you think, well, you are eventually. Like, you, this is happening. And then when you think it's going to happen, he goes, no, I'm going to rotate someone else out. And, like, you're the guy. Like, just deliver. So I think, 
you know, we've got a hope that this, um, the kind of streakiness of Sun, just he just plays his way out of it like he always does. That's that's what I want to be super clear on that. But um, just quickly on Richarlison, uh, Hoiberg was speaking with uh, Ben Haynes at Spurs play, and there's a little clip that's been circulated today, which has been really good. He spoke really well about uh, Richarlison, uh, Cal. I think I think it's fair to say he is um, he has fit into Spurs so quickly and so well. Um, it was great, wasn't it? He's, it was really good to hear another player talk about a new player joining in that way. Yeah, it's quite good content, isn't it, that they do after the game? Mm. Just you know, a sp- you know, just Ben Haynes talking to to a Hoybier, who's a very good speaker, um, and just the way they were talking about Richardson, he's clearly very popular in the dressing room. Um, he's you know they're obviously really happy to have him there, but he's infectious, isn't he? Yeah. And he, he's one of those players that that it's been said quite a bit that you hate him when he plays with somebody else, but when he's at your your club, you love him. And I, I do follow an Everton fan, and uh, he said to me, he goes, you're going to love him. Like, you're going to love him. Um, and just just after the what we thought was going to be a goal, he rips his shirt off and does all that, gets a book in. We're thinking, yes, yes. And it gets taken away, whatever. He doesn't let his head drop. Yeah. And then he, Hoybier plays a long ball over the top, and Richardson wins a throw in. And the fuck, he fist pumped just like he'd scored the goal. Like, he celebrated like, yes. Won the throw in, in the corner, near their goal. We've got this game wrapped up kind of thing. He He's in it. He is completely bought in to Conte, to Tottenham. Yeah, no, love him. Love the guy. Um, so happy. Yeah, he, he was, um, he, re- he really, he loves it, basically, which is, uh, which is really nice to see. Talking of Hoiberg, I thought he was fantastic again. Is he, is he like just low key having a really fucking good season, Spook? Because I feel like Hoiberg has been, really good and he he took his goal great i thought he played really well in that game and he's just been very good like where are you at with hoiberg because i think he's I, I, a very device dislike him i don't dislike him I, I, I obviously twitter's not the best place for discussion about football ever but you know we're all on it we all see it and a lot mm-hmm. of people think he just doesn't do enough of anything but then we're the same fan base that didn't rate musa dembele do you know what i'm saying like didn't really understand what it was that he brought to the team well, he doesn't score, doesn't assist. So what is he actually doing out on the pitch? And it's like, well, he's functioning at a level that allows everyone else to get on with everything and he keep, he retains the ball. And I think with Hoibier, uh, it's it's similar in that he does a lot of the grafting, right? He does the unfancied stuff, but he's also quite progressive as well. Uh, people will always focus on the misplaced pass, but look at the drive to score, like the opening goal against Fulham. Because up until then, we were taking too many touches, we were we were just doing we were trying to do too much in and around the penalty area, and he just drove through and just placed it. And he and, and there's something about him um, that you understand why he gets picked. You understand why Conte rates him because he will put in the graft in the in 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 the game. And yeah, he's not as silky as Bentoncourt. Um, you know, you might just think that comparing him to Ericsson and, and, and is you know is the right thing to do. He's not that type of player. For what he does, he's very very effective, and he's obviously a strong personality. He's obviously well liked and respected in the dressing room. He's professional as fuck. He's a good speaker, like Cal said, and the, the way he was talking about Richarlison as well kind of turned me on a bit. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was kind of like, I like the, I, I, the affinity, the the, the 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 connection that I have with these players 
is as strong as the, the one I had with under Pochettino. And that's what I want back from Tottenham. I want to feel that these people are fighting for me and the badge and the rest of it. I know it doesn't, it's a bit, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit simple, you know, simplifying football. Yeah. You you like a, did you like Stefan Freund? Did you like Jamie O'Hara? Well, no, they, because they were fucking crap, really. You know, they were glorified. Well, they were. They were glorified during a, a time when yeah. Spurs were pretty shit, whereas Spurs at the minute, they've got loads of quality players. We've got world-class players in there. You know, and I don't want to start talking about, well, we can do better. Yeah, sure. We can replace maybe four or five players in the team and buy better players for a lot of money. But where I'm at with him is I do rate him. I do like him. Uh, I think he's important. And again, like Cal said, I think we have options there. We will have to wait and see what Basuma brings to the team in comparison, whether it changes the dynamic of the, the, the midfield. Um, but we don't have to hate Tottenham players. Do you, do you know what I mean? You don't have to have favourites in these positions. You don't have to hate one to want another one. You can. It's a it's a squad. It's a squad game. So it is. Yeah. And actually, to stick up for the, some of these new players, Longley's first game under Conte competitive game yeah. under Conte yeah. so I think you know I don't know who made the comment on Twitter but I thought he was very good and I think he'll he'll fit into the team quite well and the same with Basuma he's just come into this team he's just working under Conte for the first time he was okay against West Ham he had moments where he was quite good and he had moments where he was quite poor but I'm convinced Bye, that man. by Jan yeah but yeah exactly <laughs> by November I think all of them will be completely at it um yeah. And yeah, I was, I think, on a five statements last season, I think I might have called Hoybier a hider. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> I you might think. have even done it. <laughs> I did. And I probably did it on a main pod as well. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think he's great. And, you know, I think he's been really, really good for Spurs. And I think he's having, a, this is, he started the season off really well. We've actually got quite a lot of leaders in that team as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, Kane, Son, Hoybier, Hugo Lloris, Eric Dyer. You know, we've got a lot of players, Richarlison. We've got a lot of players that are leaders and that are born winners and that are buying into Conte. And, and I think with the season, you know, the season the way it is with the World Cup, everything else, the way we've started, um, undefeated, um, four wins, two draws. You know, I, I think I think we're only going to get better as we go. Yeah. And I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just um, just on the Hoiberg thing, I, I think um, for me, what he's basically this is a bit of a, a hot take, I guess. For me, Ooh. he's basically like a centre midfield Emil Heskey. Now, bear with me. The reason I say that is because when Emil Heskey used to play for England, everyone was like, "What the fuck is this guy doing for England? He's fucking shit. He looks uncomfortable. He's big. He's slow. He's cumbersome." Every single strike partner who played with him, Michael Owen especially, was just like. I, I just love playing with the guy. Like, he just makes me better. And I feel that basically Hoiberg is that. If you look at his performance, if you just, you know, like player cam on Sky, like in the mm. early, like, noughties, if you just watched him, you're like, oh, God, like, this is, like, pretty slow and clunky at times, right? But when you see the other players around him and the, their movement off of him, because he can pick a pass and he can do those things, in the same way as the ball gets lofted up to Heskey, he knows he's going to flick it on. So Owen's already on his bike. Right, it's that kind of player where I think he's basically underappreciated on the eye because he doesn't look, he doesn't glide. Right, he's not like a Modric or a Dembele. He doesn't have the like kind of aesthetically pleasing style. But 
nonetheless, I think he's a very, very effective player, and I think he does a very good job for us, and I think he's having a great season. Um, he also mentioned, as part of this interview, he was talking about Richarlison, but he also mentioned Lloris. Oh, it's 10 years, 10 seasons with, uh, with Spurs for Hugo Lloris, which is unbelievable. Um, I remember at the time when we signed him, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. We're going to have this guy for two years before he goes to ends up at Barcelona or Real Madrid. This is going to be fantastic. 10 years, Spook, uh, World Cup winning captain. Is he a bit underrated? Because he, he really should be like top tier legend degree. And I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm not saying that if you are someone, they go, oh yeah, yeah. But no one really talks about him. Like, he's not lauded. And is that because of You mean by us or by, by everyone else? I mean everyone, us, the wider football in public, everyone. Nobody, good or bad, talks about Hugo Lloris. Just doesn't, no one talks about him. And I find it it's, amazing. It is, to consider. it is weird. It's one of those things where um, you, you're so good and so reliable and so consistent that you're not appreciated as much. Yeah, exactly. Especially goalkeepers as well. It's that kind of dreaded position in it. You know, you can... You can make mistakes, and unlike losing the ball in 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 the centre of midfield, if you lose the ball as a goalkeeper, you can concede. You know, it's it's you need elite decision making to be that consistent. You know, Robinson was great. I loved Robinson, but he'd have patches where he was just not good enough, and you you know, just not world class. And whereas Hugo is, and he shouldn't be undervalued or underrated, um, but somehow we've got away with not having to entertain him being sold to Real Madrid or someone coming in for him from, from the continent. He could have gone anywhere, to be fair, arguably, you know. Um, and yet, for some reason, yeah, I, don't, I can't answer the question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't no. know what. I mean, I love him. And we are. Uh, look, I'll tell you what. This is the way to answer it. We are fucks trying to replace this guy. Big time. Like, do you know, I, I, I don't know anything about goalkeepers on the continent. I think someone said that his understudy at France is worth a look. I don't know where he's at. I want to say AC Milan. I hope I got that right. Um, but I don't, I don't know anything. I'll have to YouTube it. So we're going to have to go out there and buy someone, sign someone, maybe for a lot of money, that is, was as, is as good as what Hugo was when we signed him. You know, that kind of like highly rated goalkeeper, get him in before the big team comes in to, to buy him. Um, and that that's how good he is that we cannot just bring in one of our normal goalkeeping understudies to do the job because it's a it's a massive position it's as important as Harry Kane up front for Tottenham arguably in a completely different way yeah 100% I I used to say that like a good you can tell a good defender because you don't notice them but the game is the game has changed so much now that they need to they need to impact on the game so that that no longer holds true I do do think it holds true for goalkeepers if you just don't notice them and you just kind of think, oh, like, they're just going about their business, they make the saves they're supposed to make, they catch the things they're supposed to catch, they they pass and clear out the back. If you're just kind of not paying attention to the goalkeeper doing a good job, I feel like Hugo's pretty much been like that for 10 years, which is incredible. Like, it's incredible. Um, there was one bit, I think, towards the end of Watch's reign, which there were a lot of players that going through some fucking mm. awful form then. I was just about to were, mention this, but yeah. you know People were starting to ask questions like, oh, do we need to start look at replacements? And there was a lot of talk about <laughs> maybe we let him go. But he's actually, been, I think the last two years Mad. have been well up there with his best best form. I think he's been really good. Um, he's recently. matured like a fine wine. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Cal, where are you at with Hugo? And why, why is he... I don't want to say he's underrated or overrated. He's just like the middle. He's basically the Bermuda Triangle of where opinions go. Like, no one wants to give an opinion, good or bad, on him. He's just... It's just like people just for, they've forgotten about him basically why is that i think there's i think there's a couple of things he's at tottenham so he's not if he was at liverpool manchester united you know people still talk about david de Gea like he's yeah. like he's yeah. anywhere near as good as hugo Lloris. he's nowhere near as good as hugo Lloris. he's fucking muck compared to Lloris. but statistically you look at the stats for goalkeepers every season Lloris is at the top in terms of statistics, like he's always at the top. He's at Tottenham, so there's that. There's a Tottenham tax, if you like. Um, and it's not a sexy position. I think you're you're right, John. Mm. I remember. When, I remember when we signed him, thinking, "Oh, why are we signing a goalkeeper? We got Brad Friedel. He's all right. That would do." I remember feeling like, "Oh, yeah, that would do." And he's just ended up being a club legend and a brilliant performer throughout his time. I think there is. A, I think he is suffering as well because of that period that you two talk about. Mm where during Poch's last couple of seasons, he, he made some mistakes. He wasn't great. There was the, obviously the, the mistake against Southampton where Danny Ings scored that was, wasn't great. I think that might have still been when Pochettino was there. But I actually have to credit Jose Mourinho. And I actually think Jose Mourinho's goalkeeper coach who he brought with him, I actually started to notice an uptick in performance from, from Hugo after um, the goalkeeper coach came in. Um, Cause I think he was the same goalkeeper coach that he had at Manchester United when he had, um, he had David Ahey and David Ahey had a good run under him as well um, until he went to the world cup and he went to shit. Um, but I, I think Jose did a good job of him. I think he respected Jose um, and I think he's just carried on. I think he's just carried on since then. I think he, that, that was, that was the uptick. And then he's just, yep, I've got my passion back. I'm happy. I'm ready to go again. And I, I think, yeah, I think he's just suffering because of that, because most teams don't watch Spurs other than the twice a year their team plays them, whether that's fans or your Gary Neville's or Jamie Carragher's. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's he's amazing. And uh, 10 years and, uh, yeah, I don't know how long we're going to keep him for. In terms of replacement, I think Dean Henderson would be actually be a decent replacement. I'm not saying that because of the penalty. Mm. I actually think he's a pretty good goalkeeper. I do think he's a really good goalkeeper. He's, he's on uh, loan from United, though, isn't he? Yeah, they wouldn't sell. It's only much. tricky and thing, isn't fully, it? And I, and I hope we'd have to replace him for another two seasons at least. Yeah. Also, the um, the other plus side of him getting to 10 years is we're, we're going to get another testimonial like Ledley Kings. And if you think about all the players that have played with Hugo over the years, that could be Oof. quite a fucking night yeah. of football. So let's um, yeah, let's see when that happens, because that could be fucking great. When he finally finishes to do that, I think would be would be pretty special. So, yeah, we'll see. It'd be a bit, bit weird to do it, obviously, because it's a fucked up season anyway because of the World Cup. But... Be nice to see that happen at some point, especially in the new stadium, right? You could it'll probably be full for it, but you mm. could really get quite a special lineup for that. You know, fr- did, France, France did 11 review... versus Spurs 11, that would be fucking sick. <laughs> did either of you go to the, the Lady King testimonial? No, one of my friends, one no, of my best I, friends, I didn't. uh, Carl, Carl Tonkin, regular listener of the pod, uh, he went to it and he said it's probably like one of the most emotional nights of football he's ever had. He said it was yeah, fantastic. I went with T, me and T went, and um, it's probably my favourite game of football I've ever been mm. to because it was just pure 24-carat Spurs. 
Mm-hmm. It was just all about Tottenham. It was Tottenham against Tottenham. Lady King, Teddy Sheringham scored and celebrated right in front of me. And for 11-year-old me, that was fucking heaven um, until the cunt left. Um, <laughs> it was... It would be great to see, you know, if it, you know, say it happened at the end of next season when his contract ends. Hopefully, he signs an extension. If he did Conte's Tottenham against Poch's Tottenham, and Poch comes back and he weighs twenty five stone, and Yabatongan <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Toby Alderweireld are there, and the current team just fucking slump them. You have Harry Kane play a half for each team, and uh, it'd be special. I would, I would love to see a testimony for Hugo. More than deserves it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, just just imagine like a, a Modric, uh, Dembele oh, midfield oh. with like Bale, Kane, Son, <laughs> Van der Vaart. It's just, mad like, the plays madness. we've had. We've had some unbelievable players, haven't we? Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we don't want to reminisce too much. But talking about uh, unbelievable players, I mentioned Bale there. Obviously, Gareth Bale, synonymous with the Champions League. We're back in the fucking Champions League. I don't know if you Come on. aware of that. We're fucking back, um, which is going to be great. So we've got um, Marseille this week. Now, we're going to do a proper preview of the Marseille game on Patreon. Flav, I think, will be back for that. Um, joined by Mark as usual for the preview pods on Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash the fighting cock. So go and have a look, sign up. There's loads of pods, previews, five statements, just generally loads of Spurs related content. Um, and the other pod. And the other pod. The, the other pod is amazing. Yeah. Like it is just so good. I, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite. I don't listen to many podcasts, but it is my favorite podcast, is the other podcast. So yeah, good. which is basically everything else but Spurs. So if you yeah. want a little bit of a break from Spurs, but you still want the fighting cock feel, then the other pod on Patreon. So yeah, go and check that out. Mm. Um, Spook, how are you feeling about Champions League being back at White Hart Lane? How are you feeling yeah, about that? I'm excited. Buzzy, man. Under the lights, midweek games, Wednesday nights. What is there to, to moan about? This is it. This is what we wanted, right? This is what we earned uh, off the back of last season. It's 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 one of those weird groups, isn't it? It just feels someone someone said he looks like a Europa League group, like just in terms of no real massive glamour ties. But I think ev- every team, as comfortable as it might appear to be on paper, they all could be quite tricky. So I think it's a really big test. You know, I want to see this kind of fallacy around Conte not being able to manage two games a week. You know, thing uh, he's poor record in the Champions League and the rest of it. Um, it's interesting. I think. The the reason I'm confident I'm quietly confident is because we don't get up for the players and, and the, the supporters do not get up for U- Europa or the conference. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just this. It's it's a chore. It's an, an an obstacle. It's obstructive, and it's just lifeless. Champions League though, when that music kick, kicks in, that's what the, that's what the players are there for. They'd be fucking buzzing as much as we are. Um, so if if you're talking about watching Spurs start quickly, I'm hoping that's exactly what we do on, on Wednesday night. Just up and at them. The only way to do it. Yeah, I think I think everyone agrees, um, Cal, that we wanted... 
think people like those big ties because that's why you're in the Champions League to play it. But I think we need to, again, it's a, ment- a mentality shift of, we're talking about before about rotating players versus dropping players and bigger squads and all this stuff. I think we also need a mentality shift of like, let's get through the group so we can get some big ties. And then like, let's see where it takes mm. us kind of thing. Because I think we've got a, got a, definitely got a chance of doing something. Um, what do you think will be the lineup for this game? Do you think he's going to change it much or do you think he's going to stay with the same, roughly the same team? What do you think? It's interesting because if we were playing anybody else but City away, mm. it, that's the thing. It's He's made five changes this weekend, uh, made a few subs as well, took Kane off. Um, I do think the front three is going to be the tried and trusted of Son, Kulisevsky and Kane. It's the back three which interests me. Um, does he keep Longley in and then keep Ben Davies for Saturday? Um, Romero, I think Romero will start. He looked very tired towards the end of the Fulham game, and he got really got done by Mitrovic for there for mm. the, when he pulled that goal back. He looked tired, even when it, it went in, he just kind of slumped his shoulders. Do you put Sanchez in, or is, is does Sanchez come in for City? I don't think so. I think I, I think he's going to go with the tried and trusted. I don't think there's going to be massive. Mm. I think Peris, I think Perisic will start. Perisic should play every Champions League game, um, but I think he'll go with the tried and trusted. Other than that, really, I, I think it'll be the, the usual back three. I think it'll be um, Perisic and, and Emerson Royale. I'd love to see Spence get a game at some point. Um, Mm. Uh, Matt, although I actually saw the other day on Conte Cam that oh, it wasn't Conte Cam, it was another clip that Matt Doherty was stripped, ready to come on. And I do want to see another right wing back get a chance at some point. But I do think it'll be the tried and trusted um, as and, and Perisic as well. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. So we had a, a tweet from uh, Elliot Rogers who asked, "Win uh, we win against Marseille or Man City? Which do you pick?" So Spook, going off uh, what Calder said there, I think. I think this is going to be interesting. Oof. The fact that these games are back to back, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna rotate, are you going to rotate and put in all the big guns for your first Champions League game back, or do you have a look ahead to to next week? So, we're going for Marseille or Man City, if you could pick. Now, the way, yeah. Now, now I was kind of agreeing with with Cal, but City's the bigger game. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. So. I think it means more, even though it's really early. We're not gonna we're, we're not gonna do an Arsenal, right? If we beat City on Saturday, that's guaranteed we're gonna win the league this season. It doesn't work like that. But the statement it puts out there psychologically, the uplift it gives us and the the players, and also rattles the city again because if City can't get past us on Saturday, that's what like tw- two years running, right? I mean, we, did we have a hoodoo over them? They they can't for whatever reason. They're not comfortable playing against us. Uh, anything can happen on Saturday, but we need to be ready for any version of City. And to do that, we need to be uh, our very strongest. So we rotate in the Champions League on, on Wednesday, I think. Um, yeah. I think we've got like, it right. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and like Cal said, rotating by bringing by starting Perisic is not a bad thing, is it? Like, really. For that type of game where it could be a little bit... I want to say it's a little bit slower than the Premier League. The Champions League tends to be the football. People a bit more edgy, players a bit more edgy sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we're going to be all right. Um, but to answer the question, does he actually ask which yeah, one win, would I choose to win? Yeah, win, yeah against, I mean, win against Marseille or Man City, which do you I'd, pick? I'd, I'd, I, would pick I would pick City without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, the, re- the reason I think that, and, and Spook, you alluded to it there a little bit, mate, is that, okay, fine, beating City doesn't guarantee that you're going to win the league now. But they don't 
drop a lot of points. So if you want to think about winning the league in another 30 plus games we've got left, this is one of the games you're going to have to get them to drop some points and we're in control of it. So I do think it's really important because it's a fucking long way to go and you know, even just having this conversation talking about us like if you want to win the league like we've got a chance is mad but we should be thinking that way. Conte is definitely thinking that way. I think we are, as Cal said, right at the top. There's only two teams that are undefeated. Um, so look, well, let's try and keep that going. Like, let's see if we can give them another beating because we did it last year, and it and obviously there is some, something in the way that we play, something about us that just unsettles them. Ireland's obviously going to be a another story. Like, we don't know how what that's going to look like. And you'd like to say, based on Cal's point, right? You want your defenders as fresh as possible. So I, I think we will see a little bit of rotation. I think there will be some. I think he'll he won't like do a Jose in um, Europa or the the other farmers one um, where he completely changes the eleven. But I think there'll be one or two that will rotate. Um, Cool. All right. So, yeah, if you want more preview stuff, then make sure you go to the Patreon and then you can uh, have that. Patreon.com forward slash the fighting cock. Uh, right. A couple of questions and then we will we will wrap up, boys. Um, Houston Dynapod says, does the massive deadline day spending of Chelsea worry you at all, Cal? No, no, not really. Uh, I, I don't really think about other clubs. I just think about Spurs. I, just, I don't I don't I just think Tottenham win your games. And yeah. we've played Chelsea. The, the you know one of our you know um, historically one of our toughest games is Chelsea away, and it's gone. So I'm not going to think about Chelsea now. And they've just yeah. lost the fucking Southampton and just got really got let off against West Ham at home. No, uh, they they don't worry me. Nobody worries me right now. All I worry about is Spurs. And if Spurs play well, they'll win games and they'll be right up there. Um, no, they don't worry me at all. But you speak. It's Chelsea, isn't it? They're always going to spend money. I think the chairman, the new owners, probably had to do what he's had to do. Um, Tuchel wasn't ha- that happy earlier in the window talking about needing more players. They've kind of bought a, a whole new back line. You know, they've brought in loads of defenders. They've lost a few players who've gone who've gone out. It's Chelsea. It's a really poisonous kind of culture at that club, though, because they have they have <laughs> they bring in managers where you almost think the manager's going to be there for like. Five ten years. I know football doesn't work like that anymore. Especially top tier elite football managers, they kind of jump to different top tier teams, right? But they, it feels wasted at Chelsea because there's something about that club that is poisonous, and everything always goes wrong. They just fucking win trophies whilst they're running through that process. So it makes you it's a weird business model. Um, but if you've got elite players and you're in the habit of buying elite players, you have to replace them with elite players. Um, so it is what they do. But like I said, there's just something not quite right at that football club. And I still don't think they're, they're, they're right this season. I think we're I think we're a better team than them, even though arguably they might have better players in, in consistently over their squad. Um, so let them let everyone be as good as they can be. Because how, you know what we don't want everyone to to kind of bend over like they did with Leicester City. We want everyone to be at their best so that when we do achieve something, we can say we fucked you all over. You know, we we, we beat a City team with Haaland in it. Imagine winning the league this season, how ridiculous that would be. 
It'd just, be, it'd just be pointless to do football anymore. It'd just be you quit <laughs> exactly. and retire and you're done. It'd be pointless. <laughs> exactly. Um, talking of... Aim uh, high, man. Sorry, I was just going to say, this is yeah. this is it. It's, we, it's never like, with me, it's never like, I'll win the League Cup and we'll be all right if we finish exactly. third. No, fuck it. Let's try and win the league. And wherever we finish is where we deserve to finish. But if we were aiming for top spot, we've done everything in our power. And if we don't reach it, if we don't do it, then we know we've got more levels to, to, to climb before we can try again. 100%. That, that um, League Cup thing is so true, right? It's like people say to us all the time, oh, what have you won, right? And then Arsenal fans will go to us, oh, well, but we've won the FA Cups. But when they're not talking to us, they're not happy. They're not happy. They don't think they're doing enough. They're like, oh, it's, we're shit, we're fucked. And now it's suddenly like, oh, we're back, we're going to be doing this. Well, I thought you were back because I thought you won two cups. Isn't that what it's all about? Suddenly that's that's shit again. So it's all just moving the goalposts. It doesn't mean anything. Realistically, the only things that make people go, oh, fucking hell, fair enough, is the Champions League and winning the league. If we do either of those two things, everyone can shut the fuck up forever and I'm going to retire yeah. from football. It's going to be great. Um, talking of Haaland, we were uh, just talking about how ridiculous his start to the season has been. We had a question here from uh, at Ashley DeZulu. One of Lloris, Kane, or Romero take out Haaland in the opening minute of the game, which he goes off injured and we go on to win. But whoever took him out gets a three-match ban because it was borderline ABH. Who are you choosing? So, Lloris, Kane, or Romero to uh, to take the hit, take the fall, Cal. Who are you going for? Romero, I think, because it's it's on brand, isn't it? It's what he does. <laughs> he hurts people. Yeah. And I want him to just hurt Haaland. Um, I don't dislike Haaland at all, although it'd be really funny if he scored 45 goals a season and then they finished second to shitty old Spurs. <laughs> How fucking amazing would that be? Oh, it's got 45 goals. <laughs> yeah, but Spurs finished above you and we won the league, you fucking shit mug. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it would be Romero. It's his job. It's what he's there to do. And then yeah. Sanchez. Sanchez is fine. Yeah. Sanchez is absolutely fine as cover. Or yeah, yeah. No problem at all. I echo uh, Cal's yeah. sentiment there. It's got to be Romero. Yeah, yeah, you're on board. I love that. Right, one last question. This is from uh, Reb is Happy. This is, a, this is a classic fighting cock type question, this one, boys. So get ready. Just think about this. Prep your answers. Would you bum your mum to save your missus's life? Now, that is, um, that's a great question. Um, so, Cal, I'm going to come to you first. Would you bum um, your mum to save your missus's life? Yes, because... <laughs> <laughs> this fuck. <laughs> is there can, uh, do you know what? This isn't my fault. If I sound like a fucking weirdo, this isn't my fault. It's the question's fault. But you can't make a baby if you do them up the bum. So <laughs> why would you wear no... a condom? Why are you going in raw? Why are you? Why nah. are you bare back in your mouth? Because I want it to be over. I want it to be over. So just you know, if you wear rubber, it's going to take longer. So you just go bare back. Wow. And it's up the arrow, so you can't you can't knock her up anyway. You're not going to have a Fritzel fucking flipper baby coming out. So you're not so, pulling out. You're not pulling out either. Nah. If you if you're doing it, you might as well do the whole experience. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would. It's kind but of that's not my. It's score. kind of like the circle of life, isn't it? If you think about it, right? So someone created you in your mum, and then you're, you know, injecting life into your mum but this time into her bum which can't create life so it's not really the yes. of life so I've, I've sort of fucked the thing up, is but... didn't the, the Romans and the Greeks do all this as well like they just it was just normalised back then hmm. or just... like in, ter- in terms of just like being married to someone and then having 
affairs with their sisters and the rest of it. I mean, we're we're pretty deprived the human race historically. We've always mm. been a bit mad. I mean, to answer the question, I'm single, so fuck it. I'm not, I'm not sticking my dicks yeah, up anyone's bum at the minute. So, so yeah, some someone's someone's mum eventually will get it, but um, without yeah. a doubt, some milk <laughs> somewhere. Absolutely, um, I would uh, I would buy my mum. Yeah, we're not that close. So for me, it's just another just another notch on the bedpost. Isn't it? Just get the numbers yeah. up. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something to do, isn't it? And then Re couldn't be annoyed at me because I'd be like, "Well, I've saved your life." She's like, "Oh, you've, yeah, a bit weird though, isn't it? You sort of cheated on me." And I'm like, "Well, haven't saved your life, saved your life, and added to the body count." So it's a win win. I'm sure my mum. Life's about ticking box. Life is about ticking boxes. Yeah. It's about doing things and ticking that box on the list. And bumming your mum is it's like it's like a platinum trophy on PlayStation. Like not many people have got that trophy. And you just get to tick that box and carry on to Fuck the next me, box. Man. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think on that note, I think that's the perfect tone to end. Um we've got Champions League, we are back. We are fucking back against Marseille. Um preview pod on Patreon. Go and check it out. And we'll see you beautiful people soon. Um Spook, love you, brother. You too, mate. Being fun. Out. I'll speak to you soon, my geese. I will see you very soon. And take care. Come on, you spurs. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.